Welcome to The Paulist, a daily comics analysis podcast project. I'm Tuply on Twitter at T-W-O-P-L-A-I, um, or you can email me at Tuply at gmail.com or find me at Tuply.tumblr.com. Uh, what we do here is every day I pick a comic and we do analysis of that comic, sometimes from a social and cultural perspective, sometimes from a literary storytelling perspective, sometimes from an artistic formal perspective. Um, I am a teacher, I am an academic, I am a uh, comics fan and critic, and um, I'm glad that you've joined me today. Um, and we do this every day, and the long-term goal for this project is to develop an understanding of the comics medium in um, the multitude of ways that um, it is a literacy practice in our society, and it's, uh, it's a kind of literacy that comes to have an impact on many dimensions of <laughs> ourselves and our lives our cultural landscape. Um, so I'm really glad that you've joined me today. Um, today is New Comic Book Day, and every Wednesday I try to share about some of the comics that are coming out and why they excite me, what they say to me about the state of the field, the medium, the industry. Um, and I also pick um, something from the wide world of comics, although this week is a little bit different. Um, I've decided that uh, we would focus this week on the work of writer Jeff Lemire. I should say writer and artist, cartoonist Jeff Lemire. And um, today, instead of talking about a comic book, um, and it's kind of a shame to, to lose the Wide World Wednesday, um, you know, to miss the chance to cover some kind of uh, international work. Well, I guess Lemire is international. He's from Canada. <laughs> so those of us in the States can um, talk about the uniquely Canadian um, characteristics of Mr. Lemire's writing. But um, actually, you know, I so sort of regret missing the chance to um, spotlight a webcomic or uh, a work of, you know, manga or something like that. But uh, we'll have time. We'll have time. Um, today, instead, I'm going to end up talking about, um, I think, a little bit of comics journalism. Um, I want to discuss a, a couple of interviews that Jeff Lemire uh, and and Matt Kent, who is sort of a you know sometime collaborator, sometime um, best bud of Lemire's in the comics um, world, and they've had a sort of a similar career tra trajectory as well. Um, and uh, to talk a little bit about two interviews that they did, one where Lemire interviewed interviewed Kent, and one where Kent interviewed Lemire um, this past year, um, all done and posted on on Paste Magazine. Uh, online at um, pacemagazine.com um, and sort of facilitated and written up by Sean Edgar, who writes for that site. Um, and uh, but before I do that, I, th I think I'll talk come to that talking about that interview last. Um, you know, really, again, like the the this whole polis project is to really try to look at the um, wide range of comics works out there and to, to um, kind of stick a dipstick into measuring what is the industry like at the moment and uh, what's unfolding. Um, and and sort of as a matter of discussing that, I just want to um, point to the uh, Comics Alternative blog. The Comics Alternative is another podcast that talks about comics. It's the two guys with PhDs talking about comics. And they have a blog portion where um, occasionally I and others um, will write and put up commentary, interviews, reviews, and uh, you can find that at comicsalternative.com and look at the blog portion. Uh, we just posted a um, set of commentaries from a number of writers, critics, um, comics scholars, and 
you know, kind of featured their perspectives on the list of nominations for the Eisners. Now, those nominations came out a while ago, but the Eisners are happening this week. Um, they're going to, I think the ceremonies are Friday at San Diego Comic Con, which is a place that I am not at. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, so the, um, the, uh, uh, Eisner's commentary piece there features, um, some short essays written by various contributors. And one of them is, um, is a, uh, uh, a professor, um, who teaches comics, uh, an English professor, um, named Beth, uh, Davies Estofka. And one of the things that she says is that it would be very powerful to have a, um, category of the Eisner's that really um, honors and awards uh, those comics works that powerfully engage in the world and make a difference in the world. Um, sort of a, you know, I almost think of it as a comics as cultural change or comics as activism acknowledgement. Um, and she lists a few works from this year's nominees that she feels like would be worthy of that kind of a category. And I think that's super interesting. And um, And I bring it up because I think it speaks to something that I want to do as part of this podcast, which is, to, yes, treat comics as the sort of work of popular and and um, and common, and I don't mean that in, to debase it, but sort of common uh, culture that's out there, um, but also to really think about the ways that, that escapism or that entertainment or sometimes that journalism or that um, information or, or whatever, that storytelling, that poetry that is in comics has also a... a a uh, ethical edge to it, a, a purpose that is sort of um, not only to distract, but really to um, bring about a better world. And I think you can do that sometimes through the kind of, you know, um, historical work that, for instance, a book like March um, by John Lewis and, and uh, Andrew Aiden and Nate Powell do, um, which is one of the ones that um, Professor Davies Stovka uh, rep- sort of recommends in this category that she's she's proposing. Um, but also I think you, you can do that through fantasy. You can do that through fiction. You can do that through genre work. Um, you know, imagine a, a, an alternative world. Um, I think you just look at some of the work of Afrofuturism, uh, comics, um, from black creators or from a black experience and a black perspective where if all you do is sort of are depict, if all you do is depict the, the, the realism of now, and of our world, um, that's important, but that, you know, it, it's a limiting space. It's a constraining space because you are always, um, you know, constrained under the, the, um, the prism. Uh, and, and I think, um, Afrofuturism is an attempt to use genre, use fantasy, use science fiction to imagine futures and to imagine futures of alternative of possibility and of transformation. And I think that's um, exciting stuff, too, um, to think about. But um, in a way, that's what I'm trying to do here is to talk about comics and the way that the roles that they have on us socially, culturally, psychologically, um, politically, whatever. So, yeah. So, you know, and and doing that, when I talk about the the pull list um, that (laughs) the pull list is based on, I also want to treat the releases coming out as a bit of a gauge of where we are right now, you know, if you were to go to the comic shop as an anthropologist and just look on the shelves and try to get a sense of what the, where the culture is at and what it's saying, you know, what do you see? Um, and also talking about my pull list is also a chance for me to geek out and to get excited about some things. But 
Um, but yeah, I, I, so I think that's part of the purpose here of, of talking about. Them. So I'll come to Lemire. I'll come to the connection between uh, of Lemire to, to some of those things I just raised at the end. But I guess at, at first I just want to talk about some of the releases. And, and uh, I'll start actually not with DC and Marvel, but with some of the other publishers um, that are out there. There's uh, some... Uh, some new books out this week that um, are worth paying attention to. One is from Valiant, and I have read a lot of the new Valiant stuff um, I've mentioned before, but uh, I think somebody making waves right now is, is a character named Faith, um, who's actually a superhero named Zephyr, um, but Faith is the name of the character, and uh, I think a, a really successful launch in a couple of miniseries where she's appeared have established Faith as a popular character and you know there's some aspects of faith that are really um intriguing uh one that one that as she's been called she's a plus-size superhero and um i mean it's it's sometimes um really distressing the ways that bodies are portrayed and um body expectations are you know sort of reified um through the comics medium and um you know somebody who is myself uh, always a always trying to um, leave the realm of uh, obesity um, for health reasons and also for vanity. Um, I think that the the sort of body image effects of the ways that comic books render, um, you know, human bodies, especially women's bodies, but, but really all kinds of bodies, um, is something that the industry is way too slow in becoming aware of or talking about openly. And Faith is pushing that discussion, and uh, her popularity as a character has kind of won her this ongoing series that's starting um, this week. And so I think it's definitely worth checking out if you haven't already. Um, I read the Faith miniseries uh, that just wrapped up previously a couple months ago. And uh, and that's worth looking at too, although I, I don't think it's necessary to get into this new, um, this new Faith uh, series that's coming out. Um, also, I would... Uh, point you to Fanographics releasing the fourth volume of Hip Hop Family Tree, which um, I'm staring at the first three volumes on my shelf right now. Ed Pisker does um, uh, an awesome, an incredible job documenting the history of hip hop, um, its rise, its um, flows, its uh, you know various prominent figures and um, the different movements in various geographical locations. Uh, some of it is storytelling. Some of it is very sort of informational comics. Um, but it's just cool. He does it all with a style that um, I've really enjoyed. I uh, I would have to admit I've gotten through the third volume yet, but I'm excited the fourth one is out. And that's definitely going to join his companions on my shelf. Um, and then I, I just want to point out that uh, there's a, uh, a collection being released of Captain Victory and Galactic Rangers. It's written by Joe Casey, a number of different artists. Um, I'm not going to go into detail about it. Instead, I'm going to refer you to the um, Robots from Tomorrow podcast that I've mentioned several times several times on this show, they do a pull list episode every Monday where they just do a pick from the week. And uh, Greg and Mike um, talked about Captain Victory and the Galactic Rangers, and um, I haven't read it, and so I'm kind of excited to see it come out. And then to um, and I sort of ordered it. Definitely going to read it uh, when it gets here. Um, from Image, uh, there's a few works that I want to um, highlight. One is, uh, of course, Plutona, which I talked about yesterday um, by Lemire and uh, Emmy Lennox. Um, another is Huck. And a couple of days ago, in talking about Old Man Logan, and I didn't really 
do the job I meant to in talking about writer Mark Miller, and I really wanted to set him up as a contrast, since he's the one who created the old man Logan character who Lemire has gone on to write, and I think he is an interesting contrast. You know, both are creators who have um, done well. Miller, uh, you know, sort of different. You know, he's at he's at that Kirkman level now. He's reaching that Kirkman, Brian K. Vaughn level but um, uh, of popularity, but um, you know, both Miller and, uh, and Lemire have done really well in um, both superhero comics and then in some independent type work telling their own stories, um, but just very, very different, almost opposites in terms of tone, in terms of theme. Uh, oftentimes, um, on the other hand, uh, you know, Huck is a series where, as I kind of um, alluded to in the Old Man Logan episode, I think Miller in the last few years has kind of come around and I was at a loss for, for, for having, finding this word, but you know, when I talked about him last time, but I think there's a cynicism that was in a lot of his comics of, you know, years past that he's trying to shed. And Huck is an example of him ditching that cynicism to some extent. Um, art by Raphael Albuquerque. It's a good looking book. It's, it's fun. It's inspiring. It's, um, it's a book to feel positive about. And, uh, uh, I think now that it's out in trade, it's going to have a, a good life in trade. Uh, I think it reads really well in trade. So check out Huck. Um, check out Plutona. And then, you know, Image has got a number of series that um, I'm following that are kind of deep in their runs. Lazarus 23, Manifest Destiny 21, um, Casanova Acedia 6, Velvet 15. Um, but I'd also want to just kind of highlight uh, Snot Girl, a new book written by Brian Lee O'Malley of um, Scott Pilgrim fame and, uh, and a graphic novel, Seconds. And then um, art by a, sort of a newcomer, Leslie Hung. Um, it's about, a, I think, a fashion blogger who um, has allergies, <laughs> and, and therefore the title, Snot Girl. Um, so uh, in sum, this, all the work that I just talked about, and I haven't talked about Marvel and DC, I will in a second, um, are examples of what I actually wrote about in the uh, Eisner commentary piece that we published on the Comics Alternative blog, which is that it's just really becoming harder and harder to say comics are come from this group of people, you know, the comic book guy in The Simpsons, uh, or or to say that it's meant for that that one group of people, or to say that um, even its tone is univocal or um or you know comics are dominated by a specific genre i mean you know certain numbers and certain sales figures might still um lend credence to that notion but uh but you know if you look at some of the variety of what is out there um and what i just talked about yeah there's a heavy leaning towards superhero there's heavy leaning heavy leaning towards action sci-fi fantasy that kind of a thing um but hip-hop family tree you know is doing very very different kinds of things um, and then obviously there's a ton of books that I didn't talk about that are doing very, very different things. Um, and, uh, and the, the kinds of stories, the kind of protagonists, even the, the, um, creators that are involved, we're seeing more and more, um, diversity and change. Um, and yet still, yet still, when I look at the, the creator list of the books that I just named, you know, still, uh, dominated by white, white men, um, you know, not the case with Snot Girl, um, not entirely the case with Faith, uh, not entirely the case with Plutona, um, and others. But, I mean, I think um, you can see straining against the, um, uh, the the homogeneity of what was comics past. 
um, is is the the kind of stuff that's out now. Uh, which brings me to a Marvel book that I want to spotlight, um, Nighthawk number three. And Nighthawk is a a book that um, probably a lot of Marvel fans don't don't know about. A lot of comic f- fans may not know about. Um, it's a spinoff character from Squadron Supreme. Uh, if you don't know Squadron Supreme, it's basically a Marvel team created um, in the '80s, right before Watchmen, I believe. Um, and it was really meant to be a kind of commentary on really DC superheroes. So each of them. Each of the characters on that team is is basically a DC analog. You know, you have Blur, who's a Flash character. You have Hyperion, who's a uh, Superman character, and then you have Nighthawk, who is their Batman character. And significantly, this this uh, current new uh, Nighthawk series is written by David Walker. Um, David Walker has written um, a number of series lately, including Shaft for Dynamite, um, as well as the Cyborg uh, uh, run that uh, he wrapped up recently at DC. He also wrote, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember what was the other book at DC, I'm totally blanking, um, something important. <laughs> and, uh, and, but I think now he's writing exclusively at Marvel maybe. Um, but he's writing Iron Fist, uh, Power Man and Iron Fist, which I talked about the fish, fifth issue of, uh, earlier this month, um, in this <laughs> daily, daily, daily podcast series. And he's writing Nighthawk and, um, David Walker is a, is a talented writer. Uh, he's, you know, knows what he's doing. He's written for TV and, and, uh, I think a number of places before he writes good comics, but he's also uh, unafraid to wear his um, politics and his, his culture on his sleeve. Uh, he's an African American man. And I think his comics have, um, a, you know, a, a, the ability to, to gracefully make a powerful statement. And Nighthawk is, is one such comic. Um, the character that, you know, his secret identity is an, is a, is a black man. Um, the art is by Ramon Villalobos, uh, who is <laughs> a f- kind of a local no- Northern Californian artist. He um, has a very Chris Burnham, uh, Frank Quitely kind of style, and uh, I like it. Um, some people, it, it's a little weird uh, initially. Uh, he, he's, he draws a lot of shoelaces. Uh, he definitely has a weird style, uh, which you might say the same about, you know, Quietly in Burnham, um, but I think it's a weird style that has a way, its way of insinuating itself into your, into your brain and making you um, fascinated, if not um, completely enamored. And I think uh, Villalobos was a young guy, but um, real talented and real uh, sense of humor. I, I like him. Uh, he seems like a very cool guy. He um, he's bringing the art, uh, and you know he's actually grown leaps and bounds. He kind of started as a Tumblr artist. Just doing his own takes on, on you know characters and throwing them up, um, throwing them up on Tumblr, um, but he just had such a unique, interesting style. Like I said, recognizable based on those influences that I said, but also just very distinct. That um, you know kind of won the attention of editors who. Um, I, th- I think a book like Nighthawk is actually perfect for him. Uh, so uh, the first two issues are already out. Three is coming out on Wednesday, um, and I definitely encourage you to pick it up. Over at DC, um, it's crazy. They're double shipping with this rebirth. And so Superman, Batman, Aquaman, Green Arrow, the third issues are all out. I feel like we just start, got started. You know, I just talked about Superman 2 um, not that long ago. And, uh, you know, I guess that's the double shipping effect. You feel like these stories don't have the month-long lag where you forgot everything that happened. Everything stays fresh. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether there's drop-off. I mean, I think these books have been doing really well. I've, I was impressed with... Uh, the ones that I just named, all four of them. Aquaman was surprisingly great. Uh, Green Arrows, 
uh, artist who you know could not cannot possibly sustain a biweekly uh, schedule. So I'm not sure if he's if Otto Schmidt is um, is drawing Green Arrow issue three, but um, but he's been cool, kind of a discovery. Um, Batman by Tom King has been interesting. Superman um, by Tomasi and Gleason I've talked about on this podcast, and so um, kind of really like wow, this is what double shipping is. It's really cool to get this much of the story this quickly. Um, Astro City 37, I'm going to read Justice League number one. I'm going to read despite not having loved the uh, Justice League Rebirth issue a ton. But actually the book that I want to spotlight um, from DC, oh, and I didn't talk about my Marvel books. I'll come back to it. Um, but the, the book I want to spotlight from DC is Batgirl and the Birds of Prey number one. I want to talk about this because um, you have a uh, team of, of writers that are, I'm blanking on their names. All this is kind of from memory. So, um, uh, the, a, a pair of writers who've written for um, the hundred percent. I don't know. It's a CW show. I haven't seen it. <laughs> but um, the two women who um, is interesting. They're, I think they were TV writers, fans of comics. Met Jeff Johns, and, and Jeff Johns was sort of like, "Hey, why don't you write comics?" Um, but Batgirl and Birds of Prey is bringing back, I think, a pairing of Batgirl and then of, um, I, I don't remember if Huntress is going to be in this, but uh, Black Canary for sure. Um, characters who've been, who've had their own runs lately um, and who, who have a life um, right now and, and sort of bringing them together and giving them a, a kind of team um, effort here. Um, but what's actually really got me excited about the book is that the art is by Claire Rowe. Claire Rowe is an artist who I discovered from the um, Chris Sabella series from Boom Studios called Welcome Back, or maybe We Come Back. Uh, but uh, I think it recently wrapped up after eight or nine issues, or maybe it's continuing. But anyway, um, uh, Claire Rowe jumped on board as artist at issue three, and I was super impressed. Actually, the the the, um, the artist that preceded her, Brennan Sawyer, I think is his name, uh, he had a jump off he had to sort of stop doing the book for personal reasons and that was disappointing but then when Claire Rowe came out I was like man this is great you know she's got I think a really lively style um words will fail to for me to describe it but I think you should check out Batgirl Birds of Prey and I'm excited to see that work carry over I think she's got good she's got an appealing style and good storytelling gifts um so I'm definitely on board for that one um but uh in addition in Marvel I'm gonna be looking at Black Widow a Force, um, Spider Man, just the um, Miles Morales book, and Patsy Walker, um, and also the first trade of Captain Marvel comes out, and as well as Ultimates. And I think the role of Ultimates and Captain Marvel in this new Civil War event. Um, by the way, all those titles I named are all Civil War to crossover uh, issues. Uh, I say with a sigh, <laughs> um, which shows how I feel about these event things. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think both Marvel and DC um, have just uh, a lot of new and interesting things going on. Um, and they continue to feed into what I was bringing up early. I mean, in a, in a very incremental way, I think the dominant center of um, even the big two superhero comics that were once, um, I think, much more um, homogeneous in style and sensibility is giving way to um, more diversity and more difference and more variety um certain i would say a tone that is actually a, you know a, a, a particular s style that is actually a anti you know style in the sense that it's it's really to embrace a certain 
you know, range of uh, kinds of voices, um, artistic and, uh, and storytelling and character and otherwise. So, um, I mean, you just compare Patsy Walker to Spider-Man, uh, very different books that are, um, you know, different art, different writing. Um, but, but they, they feel in the same universe and they feel like a universe that I want to be in. And that's cool. Uh, finally, the last things I want to bring up are t- the, the two books from Dark Horse that I'm paying attention. I'm always paying attention to Usagi Yojimbo, so that that's out too. But um, the two are Black Hammer, number one, which is a new series by um, Jeff Lemire, uh, who we're going to talk about in a second, and uh, with art by Dean Ormston. And I think this book was solicited a while back, and then Mr. Ormston had some personal issues and had to delay it. But um, Black Hammer, number one, is an intriguing book about um, a group of superheroes that are stuck in a town. Uh, they were sort of, you know, um, superheroes of the golden age who are now aging and, and, and trapped for whatever reason in this small space. And, uh, it's, it sounds like some of the Lemire stuff that, um, different, but, um, maybe thematically similar to what he was trying to do in Plutona, uh, which we talked about yesterday. And the other book is of course, department H, um, or depth, <laughs> uh, uh, which is a sort of undersea um, adventure that uh, Matt and Charlene Kent are are creating. Um, I loved Matt's previous Matt, <laughs> my buddy Matt, uh, Mr. Kent's previous um, series, Mind Management, a Dark Horse, is one of my fam- favorite comics going. And to be honest, I've collected Department H um, up through you know the first three issues, and I'm and I have four on the way. But um, I haven't read them yet. Uh, they look cool. <laughs> they look awesome. I can't wait to dive in. Uh, get it? See what I did? Uh, I can't wait to dive in to Department H. Um, but I, I think all that leads me to um, this set of interviews. And, you know, in the wide world of comics, I'm trying to talk about different comics from different places. But I, maybe now and then I'd like to touch on things like the Comics Journal or things like the Patreon of artist Jesse Ham, which I am, you know, sort of very excited about following because he posts his own analyses of art and stuff like that in the style of, um, you know, many of the advice, best comics advice um, periodicals that are out there. Um, it's something that some of the Tomorrow's books do really well, too, and I'll, maybe I'll talk about one of those one day. But yeah, I mean, the assembled comics media is vast now, and... Um, my list of websites that I feel like I have to follow and look at is growing uh, all the time. Um, even as one of them, the hooded utilitarian seems to be drawing to a close, which is sad. Um, Noah Berlatsky and, and all the work he's done there. But um, of course, you know, disclaimer, I always have to uh, shout out uh, multiversitycomics.com and uh, the comics alternative, which are really the best places, right? Let's be honest. Um, but um uh, on Paste, uh, which also has done some cool comics writing, much of it thanks to the um, the one responsible for this set of interviews, Sean Edgar. Um, Jeff Lemire had a chance to interview uh, what the headline calls his comics soulmate, Matt Kent, before Department H started. And I just wanted to point to this. Uh, you can find it. Um, I'll probably, if, I'll see if I can put the link in the show notes, but... Um, the actual uh, site is fairly easy. You can just Google search Matt Kent, Jeff Lemire interview, and it's likely to turn up at the top of the list. Um, but you, there's kind of some conversation between these two who I think were friends. Uh, like I said, they have a similar career trajectory in the sense that they were both um, cartoonists who did very indie type stuff. Um, uh, Kent did Pistol Whip 
and uh, I read Pistol Whip pretty early on, a bunch of other stuff um, through Top Shelf and publishers like that. Um, I'm thinking of Two Story and um, uh, Super Secret Spy. What is that called? Um, yeah, <laughs> Vertigo, Revolver. <laughs> I'm just saying words now. But these are all sort of Kint works. Um, and then Lemire, of course, Essex County and Lost Dogs and things like that. They um, eventually both found their way to Valiant. I think Kent first, and then he he drew um, Lemire into Valiant. They t- co-wrote a series called The Valiant last year, a four-issue series, which was okay. Uh, it was okay. <laughs> um, but both have done work also then in DC, and um, I don't know that Kent has done much Marvel work. I think he did a Spider-Man something or other at one point, um, but... Uh, I think he's been more active, I think, with Valiant and with his his own um, independent series um, that he's doing like uh, through Dark Horse, like Mind Management and, and Department H. Um, while Lemire, of course, has gone on to, to write a ton for DC and now is writing a ton for Marvel. But, um, but they're buddies, and they both have a certain... Uh, <laughs> I think I hate this word, but a certain kind of hipster vibe. And I, I mean that in the best sense of that word, um, in the sense of the sort of cool people of our generation, roughly, who um, I think have a, uh, a, a the ability to be low-key, and to be, but to be deep um, while low-key. The ability to embrace, um, you know, genre stuff and not feel like they have to front. Um, you know, this is not the Alan Moore, Neil Gaiman generation, for sure, who feel like they have to bring a certain literary gravity to make all this stuff legit. This is definitely the post-Michael Chabon generation of creators. Um, people who um, can glory in the wonders of genre stuff and um, comics stuff and pulpy stuff and and to, um, to still get out those um, artistic and literary sensibilities in these genre. And I think it's fun. It's cool. Um, and so they have this conversation on this uh, Pace interview that you know, really was set up as like, hey, Jeff, interview Matt. Um, and, then, and you get a sense of their tone and the rapport. Um, from what I've heard from Matt on other interviews, he, he uh, Lemire that pulls out the sort of big brothers, you know, lightweight, fun, playful, bullying banter with Kent quite a lot. And Kent is um, made to carry his water and his bags. <laughs> it's sort of the dynamic that they play up, at least um, as as their public um, role play. Um, and so the interview opens with Jeff saying, Matt, what is it like constantly being in my shadow? Uh, and uh, Kent replies, your shadow is like standing in a withered and decrepit patch of lifeless earth. Um, but what I really actually like about the interview, besides their sense of humor and you know obvious rapport, is that you can tell that both of these guys think about um, their comics work, and they're both pretty experimental. Um, when when Lemire talks about Trillium, not in this interview but elsewhere, um, and then actually, so the the Lemire entering, uh, interviewing Kent um, article is from February of this year, and then the and then uh, later on, Kent interviews Lemire about Black Hammer, which um, I'll talk about on Friday as a Friday find. Um, in on April 29th of this year, and so they um, uh, they they definitely uh, are open about revealing their thought process. You know, there's really not much, there's really no um, uh, you know sort of prima donna out of either of these guys. Um, 
except when they're joking around. Um, but they, especially in the interview of Lemire, you know, Lemire interviewing Kent, there's a way that they kind of talk back and forth about the process. Now, for instance, Kent talks about um, having his wife Charlene color and then the um, experience of drawing inks for her to color, talking to her so th- thoroughly and deeply as life partners about about coloring about you know her coloring his work and then how he is coloring the work of brian hurt uh, for a graphic novel called poppy which i'd love to talk about one day too it's really fun recently came out um but he's coloring somebody else's inks and uh you know they talk they talk about that process a little bit in this interview so there's definitely a sense of two cartoonists who are just kind of willing to talk about craft and decisions and experiments that they're doing um, but they also will talk about their influences and, uh, you know, they'll talk about the um, the thematic things that concern them, the itches that they feel like they need to scratch in telling these stories. And um, again, both both guys have this sort of low-key, Kint has a beard, and Lemire, a uh, famous uh, sort of thick-rimmed, horn-rimmed kind type style glasses that um, they're both flannel shirt guys put it that way and um and it's fun listening to them um but i guess to kind of wrap bring this to a wrap um this i realized so ridiculous talking about an interview just go and read it why do you want to hear me going on about it but i think that the the thing that i want to say and sort of carry over into the next few days at least uh two or three days where i keep talking about lemire work is um that um I feel like what's a revelation about Lemire to me, uh, why he's such a good fit for this generation is, I mean, it's kind of like I said, you know, I think in the 70s you had to be a, um, uh, okay, Bronze Age, Modern Age um, comics artists, you had to either stake your claim as an underground person. You know, you had to be, you know, your, your Harvey P car or your crumb. Um, or you had to be, you know, your Carmine Infantino, Neil Adams, uh, you know, Paul Levitz, uh, you know, or your Stan Lee and, uh, I'm just naming people here. <laughs> you, 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 you had to be a superhero person through and through who took yourself and your work utterly seriously because you were trying to, gain the um, respect and the status and not be embarrassed to call your, to, to tell people that you work in comic books. Um, you know, by the eighties you have your British invasion and uh, suddenly you can have these, um, you know, high thinking, high minded and uh, maybe pretentious, uh, uh, you know, Alan Moore's and, um, you know, uh, 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 Neil Gaiman. I don't know why it took me so long to think of Neil Gaiman's name. Um, or even it's sort of like in the in the American version, this kind of cynical um, Frank Miller thing going on. I mean, that was the 80s. And then I think by the 90s, you know, independence and what independent means um, took a big uh, leap with um, the all those superhero guys who were, you know, your Rob Liefeld celebrities jumping over to Image. And uh, in a way, blurring some of the line between people who are independent and people who are, you know, there for the popular fiction, there for the superhero stuff. And um, and anyway, all that is well-known past and well-trod. 
I think what Lemur and Kent say to me is that's all past. You know, we're not really hung up with the the hangups that those prior generations uh, dealt with. I mean, these guys move so comfortably between a self-published or, um, you know, creator-owned um, lark <laughs> of just the kind of story they want to tell with crea- creator uh, creations and characters that they just, you know, wanted to, to make up. And they can pull that off. And they can do that in with kind of um, so much uh, flair and confidence while being low-key. Um, and yet they can sort of insinuate themselves into the superhero um, superhero work, superhero world, and, you know, and do this sort of massive, planned, corporately supervised storytelling uh, really effectively. And I think it's because both of them, at the end of the day, latch on to some very basic um, and I think very hopeful concerns, set of concerns. Uh, you know, back to the idea that whether you're doing this sort of um, uh, paranoia arousing crime or detective story, or you're doing this post-apocalyptic, um, you know, horrible world situation, or you're doing a, uh, you know, a superhero, um, a superhero team, a team of, you know, emp- empowered individuals trying to uh, fight off a uh, the next big threat to take over the world. In any of those stories, there's just universal human touchstones of whether or not we um, have somebody to love us back, <laughs> you know, that or whether we will um, ever... Uh, come to terms with the things that we've done wrong in the past, um, whether they will always haunt us or whether we can ever be free from them. I mean, you know, of course those kind of things are in all kinds of comics, but I just mean that, you know, these guys move back and forth between the um, the various uh, compartments that were previously, um, you know, segregated from each other with such ease such ease and such a freedom to be themselves, which I think speaks to their capacities um, and talents, but also speaks to the ways that comics is not the same as it used to be and the ways that we readers uh, no longer have to um, classify ourselves so intensely. So, um, yeah, that's what I wanted to say, I think, about Lemire and Kint. Um, read, the, read those articles. Uh, shout out to Paste. <laughs> Um, and uh, check out um, Department H and uh, other work that Matt Kent has done. I'll say that now because we'll keep on checking out Lemire next week. I mean, throughout the week. Uh, tomorrow is uh, Thursday, so our Thursday throwback will be Essex County um, by Lemire. And then uh, on Friday, we'll talk about Black Hammer, and I'm not totally sure what we'll do about the Saturday Super Friend or the Sunday Scholar vis-a-vis Lemire, but uh, we'll try to find a way to tie it in. Okay, so that's it. Um, This has been The Paul List. You can, uh, you know, hit me up and let me know that you've been listening and what your thoughts are, Um, recommendations, advice on how to use Audacity so that I don't have such weird audio or um, compliments on my uh, nose that you can see in the album artwork. (laughs) Whatever you want to say. All right, thanks. Whatever you do, just uh, keep reading.